When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own. So this is why they call it Devil's River. Trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a, a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Celebration Key, your key to paradise. Unlock Carnival's all-new exclusive destination at Grand Bahama, where you can dive into clear lagoons, try all the water sports, or unwind on a mile-long, pristine beach with breathtaking sunset views. This vacation paradise has it all. Celebration Key, welcoming guests in summer 2025. Carnival, choose fun. Copyright 2024, Carnival Corporation. All rights reserved. Ships Registry, the Bahamas and Panama. Everybody. Welcome to episode 97 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. It's a bit of an odd time to be recording a podcast all about getting outdoors since most of the country is under voluntary lockdown due to COVID-19. But hopefully you can all find some joy listening to this episode while sitting at home hearing about empty supermarket shelves and shortages of toilet paper. And thankfully this is a fun episode. Today we are talking to Ted Madison, a.k.a. Ranger Ted. He's an actor, father, outdoor guide, upcoming podcaster and founder of Wonder Outside. But before we get to the meat of this episode and speak to the future Bill Nye of the outdoors, Ranger Ted, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor. Alpin Ventures Unguided is an adventure travel company for experienced adventurers. It is for those people who don't need a guide. You already have the technical skills. You already have the know-how. What you do not have is that local connection, someone to help you get the most out of where you are going and help you with the complex logistics and the booking. Alpin Ventures Unguided is based in Munich, Germany, and they have in-depth local knowledge of the Alps, but also expert partners in South America. And therefore, they 
they are able to offer roughly 30 self-guided outdoor adventures in various locations and a variety of activities. There are classic hut-to-hut hiking tours, hut-to-hut Via Ferrata tours, Trans-Alps mountain bike tours, a bicycle tour from Munich, Germany through Austria and the Dolomites that ends in Venice, or even culinary-focused hut-to-hut hiking tours in Austria. Their goal is to get you off of heavily trafficked trails and into local adventures. And since these are self-guided tours, you can choose your own dates, your own teammates, and your own pace. So if you are like me and you have been looking for a service to help you have adventures around the globe and not merely tourist experiences, go online, alpenventuresunguided.com. That is A-L-P-E-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S unguided.com. And use the code GOOUTSIDENOW for a 10% discount on any of the summer 2020 Alps adventures. Go to alpenventuresunguided.com, sign up for one of their summer 2020 Alps adventures, or take a look at their other adventures in Europe or South America. And thanks again to Alpen Ventures Unguided for helping make this show possible. And with that, let's get back to the show. Ted Madison, originally from Minnesota, lived out here in LA for 25 years now. I'm an actor and I'm also known as Ranger Ted. I lead outdoor adventures and hikes for people of all ages and all abilities. I've uh, created a new version of Ranger Ted called Wonder Outside. W-O-N-D-E-R, Wonder Outside. And the mission of Wonder Outside is to get people outside more often and more easily and get people back in contact with the great outdoors. I've been an actor and a whole bunch of other stuff out here in L.A., for the last 25 years or so. But this Ranger Ted Wonder Outside has been really the thing I've been pursuing strongly over the last five or six years. Tell us what Ranger Ted is and and why you go by that name now. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. People are curious. You're not officially a real ranger, I'm not a park ranger, nor was I in the Army. I led a lot of camping trips, and I would take friends friends on nature hikes, and I've been to Burning Man a bunch of times, and I've done a lot of backpacking and climbing and stuff. And some friend of mine, she just looked at me and said, you know what? You're Ranger Ted. And I said, yes, I am. What does that mean? <laughs> she goes, no, you really, you're, you should call yourself Ranger Ted. And it just kind of stuck as a way to sum me up in two words. <laughs> but once that had sort of this recognition from friends and others that you should do something with this, with your ability to take people outside, with your passion for the outdoors, with your teaching background, your experience with kids. you should. People kept saying, you should do something with this. And so Ranger Ted was the natural way to label it, I guess. In search of some legitimacy then, I went and got my California naturalist credential through the UC Davis naturalist uh, certificate program. So, so what does that look like? That looks like a couple months of weekend classes, UC-led uh, certification with biologists and naturalists. And it was in their mission to just educate more Californians and more teachers and educators and people who work in the outdoors with 
some you know some cred. So is it like flora, fauna, exactly. ecosystem, exactly. kind of understanding biodiversity of California, awareness of the climate changes here, a lot of stuff in the field, bringing a, a naturalist journal with you at all times, using the iNaturalist app as a way to um, identify you know wildlife and. So it was just the best thing because I was in my late 40s or whatever I was. And I was going back to school. Got a patch. <laughs> and got That's a the real reason you did it, isn't For it? Sure, For sure. The patch, patch. I forgot my patch shirt today. I had my khaki shirt. I forgot it. But the inspiring thing about being in that naturalist program was just to be learning from these people who are super dialed in biologists and, and wild wildlife smarty pants people. Anyway, so Ranger Ted took on some credibility and then I then I started putting my name out there as a person who would lead hikes for schools or private groups or families. And it just started kind of happen with as my side hustle, trying to grow it now, trying to, I'm at a certain threshold of this wonder outside website and future podcast and really now taking the next steps to make it a bigger a bigger enterprise so if there's one thing i know from doing this show is that everyone who reaches some point in their life are mm-hmm. like oh now i'm going to start sharing the outdoors with other people yeah it's because of an experience or multiple usually experiences they had so what's your background story if we rewind back what leads you to the point where you're like yeah this is a thing worth sharing with people it'd be multiple experiences over quite a few few years, but I think the couple of the really iconic moments would be when I did canoe camp in northern Minnesota as a teenager, being out in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness, Thousand Lakes, no roads, carry a canoe on your back. I was too small to carry a canoe on my back because <laughs> I was kind of a shrimpy kid until later. But the way the counselors and this YMCA camp in northern Minnesota called Minogen would give us, those, those teenagers, that responsibility and that kind of trust to even plot out your many days canoe trip through the wilderness. I was talking about this just the other day with a friend. I mean, we would look at this giant map on the wall in the lodge of hundreds and hundreds of lakes. And they go, well, where do you want to go? And we're 14 and 15. Like, what do you mean? Where? <laughs> right. Well, this lake has that kind of a waterfall and this lake might have better fishing. And this lake has blueberry patches in this part. And that early age, given that both that connection to the outside and that responsibility, I think was, was the main thing. And then, and then I went to the Cascade mountains when I was 16 and fell in love with the West I mean, the North Cascades and backpacking, I'd never really backpacked, and I'd never seen peaks that high and been just so blown away by the, by the scenery there. So, you know, as a young person, those are the two things. And then I always had some mentor along the way who was like, have you tried kayaking yet? Have you been to Yosemite yet? Have you thought about Alaska? I'm like, what do you mean have I thought about Alaska? <laughs> Wait, well, yeah, you should go to Alaska. And, 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 and just like those counselors back at Minogen, and you're 17 or 16 going, yeah, I should go to Alaska. And what, what a great gift. I think is that idea that you are your adventurous in nature and and you just should do these things because why not, you know? How did you get into that program in the beginning? How did you end question. up out there right. on that kayak or right. canoe? My dad was a canoe counselor at a camp in Minnesota called Widgee, which is the St. Paul version of the same thing in the Boundary Water. So he had an outdoor background. We had a cabin on Lake Vermilion in northern Minnesota, which is the fifth biggest lake in the state. And it's just a massive lake with 
hundreds and hundreds of islands. So how I think it was just we were going to church camp and other camps in the summer. And I think a couple of peers, a couple of my buddies were just, what about going to canoe camp? Canoes and water and lakes and boats are just part of the conversation there. And it wasn't too many steps where you'd know a friend who had gone there. Mm-hmm. And so it was probably at a friend's suggestion. And, and then the parents being like, yeah, for sure, go. So exposure to those. And, and those lakes in northern Minnesota are so different than kind of what people visualize as sort of a typical commuter lake with pristine lawns and, you know, jarts <laughs> and badminton. It's a much more rugged, <laughs> more, more, much more rugged landscape. And so that just became normal. And yeah, did I answer that question? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. In, yeah it you was, answered it. The, and my mom and dad, it's kinda, too. It kind of just was... It's part of the deal. Yeah, it's kind of just in your your area. Like it's it in sounds the ether. like you kind of grew up in a place where that is a part of the environment. Yeah, it was so easy, and so many people had cabins, and so many people canoed. Whether you're different on different rivers in Wisconsin, or just in Minneapolis, or you're going further at every turn, anything I ever thought about the outdoors or wanted to do outdoors was encouraged by somebody else. And now that you ask that, now I think about that, that's exactly what I'm doing. And I think that gap is farther for people now who have less contact. I mean, I was so fortunate to have all this stuff all around me. So that's part of what Ranger Ted Wonder Outside is about, I'd say. Yeah, one of the things you were mentioning earlier is like being given responsibility. Yeah. Which I, which I think is such a big thing because it's so easy for us to look at teenagers or kids and think... We need to plan everything. We need to figure out everything. They don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then you can take them along and maybe it turns out all right. But it seems like as soon as you pass at least a portion of the responsibility to them, like that's where change occurs. Yeah. That's where they become bigger, better people. Exactly. It's the difference between, you know, learning by listening or taking notes and learning by doing. You also just, you feel important then. Like, right. I'm making a decision. I impact what happens. And it's also my fault if something goes wrong. Right. So I need to make sure I do this properly. Yeah, and then you and you lay you layer in the necessary safeguards mm-hmm. of counselors or whatever. But right, that's the empowering part of it. And we used to do winter camping too at that same camp, and we'd go out and build a snow hut or you know be snowshoeing. And if you're not willing to let those kids kind of take those risks then you're just going to be coddling them the whole time. Yeah, it also seems like I think less of a love for something is generated if it feels like you were a passenger on it. Right. Because then it's just, oh, I went on that ride and it was less memorable because there was less impact on me. Right. Yeah, I guess that's the case for a lot. I I had a friend write an article recently about, you know, we used to prepare kids for the road and now we're preparing the road for the kids. Right. You know, (laughs) this idea that of helicopter parents and, you know, steering every every single thing for them. It's going to make you as the adult or the person responsible feel safer. But ultimately, it's not giving them any It's control thing, too. I mean, you probably have that in your past, too, right, of, of things you were able to do. Didn't you used to do a lot of climbing on top of... <laughs> what was your first climbing experience? Was this something about... I mean, most of the stuff I climbed when I was a kid were trees and houses because there were right, nothing else. There was nothing else to climb. Right. But, yeah, you know, growing up in the 80s versus mm-hmm. now, there were different concepts of how, <laughs> how children were managed. Yeah. And also, I had teenage parents... 
so they both worked. Oh, right. And I stayed with my grandmother and my great-grandmother a lot, who had very hands-off approaches. And so I had an uncle who was a little younger than me, who was kind of like a brother that I grew up with, and he and I just did whatever the hell right. we wanted. Right, right. Which... <laughs> Which maybe was maybe maybe we shouldn't have been able to do just whatever we wanted. Right. Maybe that wasn't the best. But at the same time, there was a lot of go out, explore, go out, figure out things yourself. Right. There also, I mean, as much as people like to look back right on the heydays of the yes. 60s, 70s, 80s, yes. and how kids could do whatever they want, they grew up to be better, stronger people. Right. We also lived in anarchy. Right. Where, <laughs> where bigger kids controlled what every other kid right. did and and there was like framework of fear mm-hmm. on playgrounds yep. and kids bullied each other and psychologically in some ways it was certainly less healthy yeah so there's somewhere yeah. in between there's that a I good think we and, could live. there's good and bad of that yeah. yeah but let's talk about 16 yeah is when you start even a little before is when yep. you got on these trips and then 16 you go out to you said at cascades yep. right yep. and so you start exploring all these other places but then Ranger Ted is far, far in the right, future. Right. So what does that life in between look like where you go from that guy who had these experiences when you were young and the pathway that took you eventually to where you are now? Um, I'm sure much like my path, yours has been a bit circuitous as well. Oh, right? yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I should quote the Indigo Girl song now. <laughs> It'd be very apropos. All right. Just, just make sure you only quote enough so I don't get hit with a copyright uh, flag. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll let people guess. So the path was uh, out of college. I was an East Asian studies and a political science major, and then I became a uh, high school teacher. You said East Asian? East Asian so is that studies. Like history? So, yeah, East Asian literature and um, okay. basically Japanese. And I lived in Japan for a year as a Rotary Exchange student. And then I kind of found that teaching made sense to me out of, high, out of college. So I was a high school teacher. Yeah, that's when I met one of my all time amazing outdoor mentors. His name is Nigel Whittington. He lives in Sun Valley and he taught me how to kayak and rock climb. And he was a teacher at one of these schools where I was a teacher. And this was in Japan? No, th- this was in New Jersey. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, you can do that stuff in New Jersey? And actually, yeah. So I learned how to roll a kayak uh, in New Jersey and I learned how to rock climb. So, so I'm going to give... Some props to New Jersey really quickly. Because <laughs> right? New Jersey, New Jersey's like Mississippi to a certain degree. It's the state all the other states piss on. Make right? fun of, Everyone yeah. talks about how terrible these states are. But Jersey is known as the garden state. But everyone remembers that there's a turnpike. And they just think of Jersey as a turnpike. Exactly. But there really are, there's good reason it's called the garden state. There's some beautiful Absolutely. outdoors in that state. The Delaware River Gap and a lot of a lot of remoter sections of, of, of Jersey are really accessible and great to explore. So anyway, Nigel taught me to do a couple of those things in my mid-20s. So where, where was he taking you climbing? Do you remember? No idea. I can't okay. remember. More though, I think it was going back off into the Cascades. There was a retreat center, is a retreat center up in near Lake Chelan called Holden Village. And it was an abandoned mining town from the 40s and 50s that later got bought by the Lutheran Church. I went there on staff as a guy washing dishes or moving luggage or doing whatever, but it was really extended backpacking trips that were available from that village right in the middle of the North Cascades. Kept teaching, but then I fell into acting. And I fell into acting with my friends from that place. How do you fall? All the way fall How into do you acting. fall into well, acting? Well, what you do is, <laughs> here's what you do. I had uh, Hodgkin's disease at 21, so I had, a, I had cancer at 21. I was a junior at Oberlin College in Ohio, 
and was getting some symptoms, night sweats, whatever, and I'm 21 years old. Hodgkin's is lymphoma? It's a lymph, it's a lymph node. So it's like cancer in your lymphs. It's a lymph node, right? right. And there's lymphoma, there's non-Hodgkin's, and anyway, this was Hodgkin's. So I had the side, I had a a softball-sized tumor in my chest. Didn't know it. I was playing soccer and tennis, Division Three for this college. And, and how old did you say you were? I was 21. 21. Yeah. Yeah. And, hey, well, congratulations. Um, you can drink, and here's cancer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Great great gifts for the, for the adult. I had the first chest x-ray of my life at 21, and the doctor said, well, you've got a mass in your chest. You need to call your mom and go home. I'm and like, you were terrified. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm and I got sure. on a plane in Cleveland, and I got home, and... Uh, Soon enough, I was being treated for Hodgkin's, which is a very treatable cancer. Six months of chemo, one month of radiation, and basically the tumor was gone. In that same time period, I also got closer with my girlfriend at the time, who then became my wife, who then we got married, then we ended up in New Jersey, and then she ended up bailing about not even two years into our marriage. So I left New Jersey with, I lost my car, my wife, my job, because the school I was teaching at with my great hero, Nigel. So if you had grown up in a different part of the U.S., you would have become a country singer at this maybe moment. Maybe so, maybe. And I'd have, <laughs> yeah. the, I'd have the lyrics. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> I lost all of those things in the span of a very short time. Ended up back in my mom's basement and with nothing. No, no anything at 25. That's when I fell into acting. That's when people said, oh, you should try this. Do some improv with me. We're going to do this thing. You should get into the very easy to get in field <laughs> yeah, right. of professional acting. Yeah. There's so many opportunities. The realization <laughs> right. of that reality came later. Right. At that time, I just thought, sure, what the hell? Let's do some <laughs> acting. And I kind of fell in love with it very quickly was doing okay and started auditioning in Minneapolis and within two years I decided this is what I wanted to do instead of teaching and moved to LA and have been here been here ever since. And were you initially a theater actor? Yeah. Were you doing theater? Did a lot of theater in Minneapolis. And so did did you try to transition into theater in LA or did you initially I try did. to go in that? I, I did a play when I first got here um, and I've done several plays while I've been here and it was a good way to sort of get your feet wet out here and meet some people and met some casting directors and, and met interest. I got an agent fairly quickly and started working commercially. You know you're making this sound a lot easier than I'm sure yeah, it was. Yeah, it's so easy. <laughs> Just... Because there are people. So, for instance, I have a I have a friend who years ago he was telling me his sister's husband was like sick of his career, and he's like, "Yeah, I think I'm just going to move to L.A. and be an actor." Yeah, as if as if that's you, just, you just something you do, that. do. Yeah. And he's like, and then I remember talking to him. I was like, "Well, is he an actor? Has he acted before? No, he's no. never done this. He's just deciding now. And he's, he's going to go become. He wasn't a professional like a actor. football player or uh, an athlete or some other famous right. surfer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or something he wasn't like, a celebrity of any sort. Yeah. So there is this thought that like you just show up and then somehow if you got the look and yeah. you can and you can pretend to be somebody else you're just going to get these jobs. Yeah. I, I I did I did have enough training and I did have enough I imagine you probably had some connections from no, the theater. I, I didn't you didn't know none. anybody. Okay. I mean, I knew some friends out here but I didn't know really anybody. One guy in one play knew me and put in a good word for the agent that I first met. But commercial agents at that time and he's still my commercial agent, Mark Measures at KMR now, commercially they were fairly open to meeting new people who had some amount of experience and were, you know, had the right look for whatever and I started to work commercially pretty quickly. So so how that look? You go in and you just tell them about yourself and exactly. give them some headshots and then yep. they say, "Yeah, we'll represent you." Yep. Or is it some sort of audition nope, process? That was it. That was it for commercials. Go in and they liked the meeting and they had at least one good reference for me. 
and started sending me out and I booked one of the first few auditions I went on and so yeah so it kind of started to fall into place for me and I was also able to teach high school half time when I first got here to make some money so does that mean you were you were like a substitute or no, were you I was also at a, like a full as a little private school in, in Santa Monica so I could teach in the mornings and I could hit most of my auditions okay. and it worked out really well and all along there it was where can I go outside here in LA and that's why we're sitting in Griffith Park right now. I live very close to here in Hollywood and realize like this gigantic island of nature is right here in the middle of the city. And I swear it's the reason I've been able to stay here so long, Griffith Park. It's so big and it's such, here we are up here and there's nobody around us, no traffic, no line at the Trader Joe's. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for people who don't have Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's is a uh, supermarket notorious for a lack of sizable parking lots. Yeah, especially <laughs> in like central LA, Silver Lake. So I guess that's the path. I mean, then I was I was an prof- I've been a professional actor for 25 years, and for the first 15, 20 years, I didn't have to do a lot of side jobs and now in the last five or ten years I have had to do more of that but all along that I was um, exploring California when I turned 30 I drove to Alaska and back and got all the way up to the Arctic Circle so so you've mentioned Alaska twice yeah I love when you were young somebody told you yep. you need to yep. someone asked you are you thinking about Alaska yeah, you, yeah you're... and then now you mentioned you returned when you were 30 you 30 said? I'd you never returned. been that and was the first time okay so you didn't I didn't go you thought about it for for 14 years exactly right <laughs> exactly right and and had friends who had other friends from that from Holden Village and elsewhere who had mentioned Alaska and been to Alaska and finally it's like I'm 30 and I led my first annual, um, I guess I called it, It was. this is kind of the beginning of Ranger Ted. I called it Ted's first annual 30th birthday party and capture the flag extravaganza. <laughs> and so we did it right up here in National, Angeles National Forest. 20, 30, 40 people come up uh-huh. we, for a two-night thing. And then right after that, for my 30th birthday, I got in my Jeep Cherokee and started driving. All right. So so we got to answer yeah. some questions yeah. now. So, so are you thinking about Alaska at 16? You thought about it for a long-ass time? Yeah. 30 rolls around. Yeah. I think I might even know the answer to these questions because I think there's going to be some, some similarities between us here. Uh-huh. Why did you go at 30? Oh, and why Alaska? Oh, yeah. There you go. Because I also at 30 did like a trip. I remember you telling me about this. And I'm curious if yours is going to be the same thing, which is there's this thought in my head with like at the deck. Like I'm not a big birthday yep. person, yep. but something about the decades For sure. is like... We need to memorialize this in some capacity. It's like a, it's not like you're a different generation or something, but it's like a recognition of a demarcation in different periods of your life. It's that thing. The zeros do have import somewhere on your, that birthday number. And there's some thought about like, let me start this one right. Yeah. Because what I do now maybe will color the next decade. Yeah. So is that similar to why you did that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The 30th was not probably a coincidence. I launched this gigantic camping trip that I did subsequently almost every summer for 10 or 11 years in a row and going to Alaska I think I had one other friend who had thought about it as well so it, again it was in the conversation with my other buddies and not like they're all super mountain men or anything but it just really was part of the is always in the discussion I mean it is like the state in the US the that is most wild unbelievable period it's just it is the last frontier. It is the biggest thing I've ever seen. And the the scale, the proportions, everything you, you look down at that river below, you think it's an hour hike, it's a three-hour hike or a four-hour <laughs> hike because you just you can't scale it. 
we just not used to seeing valleys that mm-hmm. big, mountains that tall. It's amazing. It was the best trip ever by myself, cranking Alanis Morissette <laughs> and all other Canadian artists. Her album had just come out, so I'm playing Alanis nonstop, and it's I still know. Rain. I know every single word of that song, <laughs> of that album, and I played a lot of Neil Young, a lot of Joni Mitchell, a lot of Rush. I <laughs> like paid homage to all the Canadian artists so on my drive. Is, so this is late '90s we're talking about then, right? Exactly okay. right. Yeah, '66, '77, yeah, '96, and it was just beyond amazing to see. I saw Denali. Denali came out. I was in Denali National Park for five days. I just did the bus back to Wonder Lake and stayed at at the Wonder Lake campground. Um, so you say you drove up there by yourself, or you flew there? I drove. So you drove, drove the whole thing. So you've got that whole road trip aspect going too. Yeah, to I kind of slept in the Jeep Cherokee with all my junk and gear in it. I, I vividly remember when I first crossed into the Yukon. It's like, I'm in the Yukon. Like, I've said Yukon for a lot of years, and now I'm there <laughs> seeing the glaciers. And then I did a great thing, too, on the way back. I put the Jeep on the Alaska ferry system in Haines, Alaska, and then you're on... It's not a cruise ship at all. It's just the way people move about mm-hmm. southeast. And so it's a big boat with lots of vehicles on it. But people just camp out kind of on the back deck, all the youngsters in tents or they sleep on the... So it's an overnight ferry then? Four nights. Four nights? Four nights to go Ketchikan, Wrangell, Elias, Juno, all the way down to Bellingham, Washington. The most amazing way to see Alaska, in good weather especially. And then we had our mountain bikes with us, and I'd met a guy in the in Denali. And so you'd pull into Wrangell or Juneau, and you've got a couple hours, so you jump on your bike and you go see the glacier, or you go check out whatever. It was really great. Not exactly like being on the John Muir Trail for 30 days, but it was a month. I mean, I was gone a month, mm-hmm. and it was just epic. So this is 30. So 30, yeah. you yeah. recognize. All right, i got to do this thing for myself. Okay. You're acting. Yeah. Are you still... Are you still part-time teaching at this point, or you're a nope. full-time actor full-time at this point? Actor. So what happens after this? After You've run into the Angeles Forest, right. and you've played Capture the Flag with your other adult <laughs> right. friends. Right. You've spent a month S'mores. on the road yes. <laughs> traveling to and from Alaska, Yeah, and now you're back. Where's life go from here? I continued to... And did you sincerely make it an annual event, your annual yeah, Capture it was the called Flag? Yeah, it was called the third annual, the fourth annual, the fifth annual. I skipped a year, and I think I did... I think did 10 or 11 in a row. Are you still but doing I them? But I was always called like the ninth annual 30th birthday party. Right. So I was okay. turning 40 then, I guess. And I haven't done them in at least 10 years, and it bums me out, and I want to bring them back. Oh, you got to bring back some sort of annual. Got to bring it Is back. Is it still the annual 30th birthday at this I point? I think that's what we'll back? do. All right. Yeah, I'm 53 now, so we'll, we'll, I'll have to do the math later. In my 30s, it was just a lot more of uh, acting here in L.A., a lot more travel, Traveled to Europe a few times, and um, Whitney, and Mount, did Mount Whitney. I guess maybe I did that in my 40s. Can, I had made several relationships in my 30s and early 40s, and I finally, I finally met my wife about 10 years ago now. And I would continue to go back to Minnesota. I guess the other main focus for me has been building my cabin in Minnesota on an island on that Lake Vermilion I was talking about. And so as for a real directed focus for me, other than what I do as an actor, it was building this cabin. And how do I get this built? And how do I get more time on that lake with my friends and family? So this is a piece of property you have? Yes. On an island? Yes. In Lake Vermilion? Yes. And are you building this 
by yourself? I built building it with friends? You're right. hiring contractors? What's Here's going on? Here's the thing. I had knew nothing about building or carpentry. I'd done a little bit. Of, you fell into it. I fell into <laughs> it. Exactly right. It's some property from my family. So that amazing gift of having that along with my brother, I knew I wanted to build a place up there. And this is a lake that's one lake away from the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. So it's a really ideal spot. It's actually a peninsula, but it might as well be an island because it's boat access only to get there. So there's no road that crosses no road. the peninsula. You have to drive your vehicle up to the marina. You have to unload all your junk into a little fishing boat and then go a few miles across the lake to my land. So I just started building. First thing I built was a deck. <laughs> and how did that go? It went pretty, it went okay. All right. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> then I was able to buy a cabin kit, uh, like a SIPS panel kit. If people know construction a little bit, it's like a post and beam insulated panel walls that kind of go up. No novice can put these things together. <laughs> and so luckily I'm good at kind of um, corralling and enlisting people to help me. And I enlisted the exact right carpenters and friends to help and hired another carpenter too. And we built that cabin about 15 years ago and it's amazing. And you see the northern lights there sometimes in the no, summer. No kidding. Yep. It's on a nice part of Lake Vermilion where you don't have a ton of commuter boat traffic throughout the day. Sounds like this is where the 24th annual 30th yeah. birthday extravaganza yeah. should, should occur. It's a, it's a bit of a trick to get there because it's four-hour drive north of Minneapolis, and then it's well into the woods and bald eagles and loons and walleye fishing, and it's an amazing part of the country. I, I would like to do a wonder outside Ranger Ted retreats there somehow, and I'm still trying to figure out how that works and what that looks like. Have you ever been up to northern Minnesota? Have you canoed much? Uh, I've most of the canoeing I've done has been in the Black Canyon um, near the Hoover Dam. Oh, okay. That's most of the canoeing I've done. Like I've canoed through there a few times, but I have not canoed at all outside of the West. I've spent very little time in Minnesota. Eric and I did this road trip a few years ago, and we yeah. did pass through Minnesota. Right. And I forget which part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were there maybe a day or two. Right. Yeah, very little time there. And I haven't been to the Boundary Waters at all, which I know is... Tell people about the Boundary Waters, because I know that's supposed to be a fantastic area. Yeah, so that northern Arrowhead region of Minnesota, that kind of tippy point on the northeast side, really, of Minnesota, almost that entire section is taken up with the Boundary Waters, Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness, which is over a thousand lakes. And I don't know how many hundreds of square miles there are there, but it's hundreds of square miles. Again, it's a protected wilderness, so there are, there are some access roads, at, some trailheads, if you will, where you would get to a lodge or the, kind of the end of the road. And then from there, it's just you and your canoe. And you, it's like other wilderness areas, you have to give a permit and you can be in there for a couple nights to many weeks. It's just gorgeous in the summer and it's beautiful in the winter. There's a lot of dog mushers up that area in the, in the winter. Some of the towns up there would include Ely. That's a pretty famous town up there and Virginia and Hibbing. And it's still one of the darkest night skies in North America, I believe. I think just north of there in Quetico Park in, in Canada is, I think, considered one of the darkest night skies still. And like I said, northern lights and black bear and 
amazing wildlife. And do you have any neighbors there, or is this just? Like I do a- have some neighbors, but the, they're great because they're a thousand feet one way down the shoreline and fifteen hundred feet another way down the shoreline. So that's it's nicely spread out. Mm-hmm. That lake is more popular now, and bigger boats, and you know. So the- so then to put that in perspective. It's basically roughly a quarter mile between each yeah. home. Okay, yeah, yeah so at least, substantial. At least in the area where I am. Yeah, we've got nine acres and 500 feet of shoreline. And so this cabin is complete now? Or you're now, still, you're asked, still finishing it off? <laughs> you would ask my wife, she would say no, because it doesn't have a kitchen yet. We're still cooking on the Coleman on the front deck. But it will be complete. That kitchen will be built next summer. It's got, yeah, it's got septic, it's got running water, and it's it's quite civilized. It's got uh, light bulbs and um, switches. I just put all that stuff in. And along the way, I've learned how to build. I've learned how to do some of this stuff. And um, it wouldn't have been without these amazing builders and friends of mine who mostly did it volunteer. I paid a few here and there to, to help out. But that's the goal for me in my downtime to be there with my family a month, six weeks, every summer. And then otherwise back here in Los Angeles? Otherwise here back in L.A. We live in Huntington Beach now. My wife's from Orange County, so I'm getting used to these South Bay beaches, and they're pretty nice, especially when it's overcast in the winter. <laughs> That's when I like going to the beach. Still got that Minnesota blood oh, pumping man. through you. You want that cold, overcast water, huh? Yeah, you know, I, we were talking about earlier, the weather here is still, it's on the edge of being just still too hot here in LA, and here we are in mid-October. It's kind of sad because I feel bad when I complain about the weather here because it's yeah almost sunny every day. I know. <laughs> it's such reasonable weather. The reasonable. But if it was it. just 10 degrees cooler yes. at all times, it would be perfect. The weather here in L.A. is a whole topic I thought, think about a lot. I think it's an important part of the L.A. dynamic. We get spoiled by it in some ways, and then people drive too fast because, like, it. God forbid it rains and they have to slow down 10 miles an hour, you know? And I think weather is such an important piece of what connects us to the outdoors, And then when you don't have to deal with it, and I know it's hard, I get it, winters are hard, and, you know, the ups and downs of that, but when you don't have to really deal with it practically on a day-to-day level, you you take it for granted and suddenly, you know, you're disconnected. There is this weird thing ever since I've lived out here where I don't have to think about the weather most of the time anymore, whereas when I was growing up, you're always worried about how the weather affects your life. The other thing I noticed when I moved out here is how much more... Because you've got clear skies every day, how much more sunset and sunrise really interferes with your driving. <laughs> right. That's true. That's actually, I cannot step out of the house without my sunglasses. Yeah. And then if you're always driving towards the sun always. for some, some reason. One of the things I encourage people to do as Ranger Ted is part of that mission is try going outside today <laughs> without asking Alexa what the temperature is or without looking at your phone. Just try it. Step outside for five seconds, see what the weather is, and then decide what you're going to wear. You know, I think that's a, an important little step. So yeah, let's talk about you've got this cabin in Minnesota, and then you've got your other life that primarily takes place here, which mm-hmm. is working as mm-hmm. an actor and, mm-hmm. and working as Ranger Ted. How long has Ranger Ted been going on and what's the goal from here with that? Yeah, it's been going about five, six years as sort of a side hustle. And I don't love that term, but it describes it pretty well. 
okay, so five, six years, it's been building slowly. Every time I get a little depressed or down or discouraged by its growth, something hits me, someone calls me, a random person wants to take a hike, a random family or a company wants to do an outing. And how do you describe to people what you do as Ranger Ted? I what are le- they hiring you for? They're hiring me to take them outside and help them have a, an amazing outdoor adventure making the outdoors accessible and easy and fun. Where do I want it to go? I want it to be Bill Nye, the science guy for the outdoors. That's where I want to build it to as a big network that connects people to outdoor locations near where they are, where they can access, that gets people off screens, that helps parents and um, all ages kind of get off their devices more and, and get connected. And as uh, that becomes a you know an inspiration for it's why you do your thing it's why you do this podcast. Yours is for everyday people, right? Who do these interesting, amazing, cool things outside, and and it becomes just like oh yeah, Alaska. Oh yeah, you should be in a canoe or you should try rock climbing. And I think it, you know I've got ideas for it as a show. I think it's somewhere in between. Bill Nye, the science guy, the Wild Kratz brothers, who have done a nice job with their show. It's a connection issue. So you and I have both kind of had these revelations, right? Which is, hey, we've had these experiences outside. They've improved our life in some capacity, and we recognize that it can do the same, or we at least suspect it can do the same for other people. And then we've decided, well, we need to let people know this because they keep scaring themselves away from it. And so you've decided to do this in like a more direct way Mm -hmm. by bringing people outside and you're in LA. Yeah. So of course it makes sense to do it here. Do you feel like this is a place that really needs that? I think any big urban center needs it. And I think anybody who's traveled the country in any city or small town knows that people are more and more disconnected from the outdoors at whatever level. Yeah. I'd like, but I'd like the reach to be bigger. Like you talked about just now, people are scared. Mm-hmm. Why the hell are we scared of going outside? What has taught us to be this tied to staying at the mall or staying indoors or looking at something that's unfamiliar as being dangerous? And when we're just talking about a 45-minute hike around this little lake or down that trail, I guess back to what you were talking what we were talking about earlier is that I think one of the key reasons I do this is the, the word wonder. I think wonder for me is the core reason why I go outside and why I continue to go outside because around that next corner, you're going to see something amazing, experience something awesome. It's that exploration that I think that so many people are are either not familiar with, have never been in contact with, or, or, or just or have forgotten about. And I think everyone at every level, whether they're, like I said, they're going to do a little walk around a very small lake or they're going to do like you just did 30 days on the John Muir Trail that each each of those people has something to share about that experience that's valuable yeah and it's not like one is like better than the other or more respectable than the other exactly I, I do think that's something that frightens people sometimes is they'll hear like oh this person does that well, I've, I'm not going to do that, so we can't connect, and this person's not going to respect me because I don't have an interest in doing that. But like, if you find a quality person that spends time outdoors, they're happy if you're doing just a tiny thing that's good for you, that, yeah. that really works for you. It, 
it's not that another person needs to do what I do or what you do. It's just we want to help you find what is good for you, what works for you. What works for you. And for some people, that's a mountain bike. And for mm-hmm. some people, that's buying a stand-up paddleboard. And for some people, that's seeing that lake for 10 years and decide, you know, maybe I'll go swim in that lake because other people seem to be swimming there mm-hmm. and they're okay. What are some of the experiences you're getting when you take people out there? What are some of the things you're seeing happening? You know what it is? I think one of the main reactions is like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be so great. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize this was going to be so fun or amazing or cool. Or I didn't think my kid was going to want to go down there because because they've been projecting some kind of fear about it or something. So that's one of the reactions for sure is the the sort of awe or like, oh, that wasn't so bad. In fact, that was really amazing. And I want to tell someone else. The other thing I'm after, too, is and I want to do it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it, isn't it? That was amazing. And let's do that again or something like that again or something bigger than that. I I take a lot of parents with young children out on trails. It's that growing comfort with your kids 10 feet ahead of you and now your kid's 20 feet ahead of you. Now your kid is kind of looking at that log. And whereas, you know, two days ago they would have freaked out about that when running up and now they're with me. And they're watching it happen, and it just it just creates that same thing we were talking about before, that responsibility and that confidence in the kid. And now they're exploring what thing makes sense to them. And some kids love ants, and some kids love the crazy trees, and some kids love looking up at the birds, and some kids love laying down and making dirt angels. <laughs> it's all... It's all great, and everyone has a different interest. Do you ever have an experience where, like, a parent shows up with a kid, and they think they're doing it for their kid, and then by the end they realize, oh, this was a good thing for me, too? Yeah, I think think that has happened. For sure that happens. Do they always express that to me consciously? You know, not, they might not even realize it. Sometimes. They might not even realize it. And I, you know, now I have two young girls, and just to kind of get current where I am, I have, I have girls four and a half and two. You know, I have the same instincts to hover a little too much, as experienced as I am, because you know, I've seen them fall and get hurt, and it's very painful <laughs> for the parent <laughs> when your child is hurt. It really is, and so you just want to protect them so much. Luckily, my wife is also outdoorsy and takes them outside all the time, and we we have some great trails near us in Huntington Beach, so it's kind of already in their wheelhouse. They're already fairly confident outside. One of the best recent memories I have is of my oldest daughter sitting on the hillside at the cabin eating blueberries from the blueberry plants on our property, just one after another. And that to me is really just, that's the dream. So what should people know about Ranger Ted? What what should they know if they want to do something and how could Ranger Ted help them? They should know to go to my website. No, um, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) They should know. Like we were talking about before, it's not the level of accomplishment it's not a competition. It's not what you wear. It's not Lululemon versus, you know, cutoffs. It's none of that. It's if you just take one step in that direction toward going outside with your loved ones, with you and your loved ones, take one step in that direction, make it easy. You're going to relax and feel better. You're going to forget about your stresses. You're going to forget about emails for a little while and traffic. And it's going to make your quality of life better. And you just have to kind of have that courageous moment of making that step. And I don't have a lot of these 
people I'm in contact with, but I think it's something simple. Like if you normally meet a person for lunch at the whatever, at the Panera or at the, <laughs> at the, at the mall or at the Starbucks or something, mm-hmm. next time suggest your friend, let's meet at that river or that park or that bike trail and just sit there. <laughs> One of the key things I learned at that naturalist class is the term, what do you notice? What do you notice with a question mark? And as Ranger Ted, that's the most, I think, most important question I'm asking people is when you go outside, when you make that step, shake off whatever it is and start asking yourself, what do you notice? And it, oh, the other thing is it's not about what you, what do you know? Forget about what do you know? These are eucalyptus trees. Oh, great. We know these are eucalyptus trees. What do you notice about them? Well, the bark is peeling and they're blowing that direction. And oh, there's a spider web over there. It's all the pieces of it that you're noticing of any age, any person coming up to that tree is that's the more interesting thing. And that's what gets people back again. Um, it's not about a quiz and, and yeah, the knowledge will come, but it's, it's the noticing new things and that's taking those new breaths in new directions that will improve your life immensely. Right. That knowledge is only useful in how it can be applied. Exactly. Yeah. Or in a pop quiz. Right. Right. (laughs) When I see a kid or even an adult go up to it and I say, what do you notice about this oak tree? Suddenly they're actually looking at the bark of that oak tree and this way it's so distinctly differently shaped than the eucalyptus tree or the redwood tree. And then people's natural tastes and natural, um, the things they're attracted to, whether it's an ant or birds or dirt those things just come to the fore and and people start exploring on their own then they start to own it and share it so let's tell people (laughs) let's tell people how you can help them do those things if they're unsure how to do those things on their own right so go to the website for sure wonderoutside w-o-n-d-e-r wonderoutside.org and on that website, there are a whole host of little buttons you can hit just addressing some of the stuff we've just been talking about. So that's a great starting point. The other thing I like to say about technology and phones, is our phones are great. We take pictures of the cool things we see. We can navigate. And there's a cool thing you can do with your phone right now. You can open up the maps and you can see the blue dot. The blue dot is where you are. And you can look around that blue dot and look for something else blue or green and then go there. (laughs) Most likely it's a park or a river or a lake or a stream or a mountain or a wild area or a wetlands or something that maybe you haven't explored before. And I like seeing there's something within three minutes of you that's amazing like that. And there's something within 30 minutes of you and there's something within three hours of you on that map of yours that you're gonna fall in love with. One, go to the website. Two, (laughs) open the maps and look for something blue and green. And and then and then email me and tell me about it. <laughs> I don't know. Is there something else I should be saying? About that? <laughs> I feel like there's something else I'm missing. <laughs> well, what what if people want to go out with Ranger Ted? Oh yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> then you go to the website and you contact me, and then we we book a hike, or a nature walk, or uh, an adventure, or we go to Joshua Tree, or we. Yeah, so I'm I'm easy to get a hold of. You just Google Ranger Ted or you go to the wonderoutside.org website. I, I love helping people figure that stuff out. Like the best example here in the valley, people are like, where should I hike? I'm in the valley. I'm in I'm in Van Nuys. I'm in, I go, Sepulveda Basin's right there at the juncture of the 405 and the 101. It's huge wildlife area, huge aviary. Yeah, where the birds stop and get blue herons and egrets there. Yeah, of course. 
contact me directly. I will be in back in touch with you ASAP. What if, what if they're somewhere really far away you're not familiar <laughs> oh, with right. and they contact you? Are you going to tell them where to go? Of course I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll strategize, of course. I mean, and then I think the goal would be to create networks and other wonder outside. I, my, my other idea is that people, everyone's a wonder guide and there are people and resources near you who can help you figure it out and be more comfortable and get outside more. And there's an REI just about in every major city in the country. But there's also, you know, a park or a little ravine or a river in every town in this country. Go outside, ask me for help, and then tell me what you found interesting about it. And then suggest good podcast episode, good podcast guests for me. <laughs> right. I, you are still planning yes, no to do a podcast? Absolutely planning it. I've got a few, I've got, I've got a couple or two initially interviewed and I've got a list of people I want to talk to. All right. This is all super vague. You need to give us specifics now. What is this podcast called? It's what is be, it about? When's it happening? It's going to be called Wonder Outside, Wonder Outside Podcast with Ranger Ted. It's going to be about a 30 minute show with kind of real practical, helpful tips and guidance for people and how to get outside more often, more easily with their loved ones and good, not unlike yours, inspiring stories from people who have found that important in their lives and how they've done it. They might have some fun stuff too, like Stump Ranger Ted, you know, can you name a different plant or an animal kind of thing. So I want to keep it kind of fun, medium length and one example, I'm, I'm talking, I talked to my friend Tim Johnston, a New York Times bestselling author. The whole way he wrote his best-selling book was by the inspiration, or one of the main inspirations he had was because he lived in the Rocky Mountains, deep in the, in the forest for quite a long time. And that was really instrumental and inspiring for him as a, as a creator. And so I think that, that nature speaks to people in a whole host of different ways, and it's talking to people about that and making that clear to others how that can be applied to their lives. So when are people going to be able to listen to this? Well, that's a really good question. Give a date, and then you're going to have to stick to it, because everyone's going to hear it, and then you're going to be obligated. January 15th, 2020. Really? Yeah. Shit, that might be before this episode comes out. <laughs> okay, February, <laughs> Valentine's Day, 2020. Between January 15th, let's say three to four months from now. So, so early 2020, early 2020 is the plan. That's so, right, yeah. All right, and you're sticking to that. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, you're yes, not sir. backing down, right? No, I'm not. <laughs> he can. He's looking me in the eye, I and am. I am nodding <laughs> up and down mostly, saying, yes, I'm sticking to that. <laughs> All right. So we should expect to have that podcast come out early yeah. portion of 2020. Right. All and right, well, I, great. Congratulations on that. Oh, thank you very much. And I have a book, too, then in the works. And I let's say, let's, let's say that's a little more like summer 2020, but that's called The Power of Wonder. And I've been, I'm pretty far along in that book, but it talks about some of the stuff we've talked about. And What's, what's this book going to look like? I'm sure it's not going to be a book where it's like pictures of monsters and you turn a flap and you make a monster into a different monster. It's going to be a very different book from It's a that, choose right? your own adventure monster flap book. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it's it. A, it's a knock-knock joke book. Uh, it's about some of the stories we've talked about and why I think that essential thing about the core reason why I go outside wonder being why it motivates me to keep doing that. And, um, I think anyone can take quite a bit of inspiration from that and practical advice from that and, and apply it to their lives. So it's sort of a memoir about where I've been so far and where I want to go. And what'd you say when summer 2020, is that what you said? 
Let's let's say summer twenty. Let's say fall twenty twenty because right. just publishing and all that stuff. Yeah, you've got a busy year coming up, yeah, my friend. Yeah, man, I do. Totally <laughs> do. Yeah. I'm going to be checking in and making sure you're not screwing oh, around, man. making sure you're doing these things. Okay, good. No, that's <laughs> that's clearly why we've come up here, to nail down these dates. So every everyone <laughs> listening, you need to check in with Ranger Ted periodically throughout 2020. Yes. And say, so, hey, where's this podcast? Where's, where's the this podcast? book? I where's heard the bo- this was going to be ready now. And I said 2020 for both, didn't I? You did. So why not? Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah. You're going to be a hardworking man. Totally doable. Absolutely. So let's tell people- We've told them about your website. Is that the sole place they should look for you? Is there uh, other places? Instagram, Facebook, any Instagram. of those sorts of things? My Instagram is Ranger Ted LA. Ranger Ted LA. That's a good good spot. I have a Facebook group, so that's also known as Ranger Ted. So the word Ranger Ted usually leads you to where you need to go. Yeah, and I've rebranded it slightly with that wonder outside as being kind of just a bigger tent for of of what it is. So, but yeah, wonderoutside.org. Ranger Ted. Is there another Ranger Ted they might accidentally find? There's when some guy on Twitter with a Ranger Ted something. That he's like, because I'm Ranger Ted LA, and there's some, and there's like a little, like a stuffed animal Ranger doll on there or something. All right, so if you see that one, that is a <laughs> That's wrong not me. one. Ranger Ted LA. <laughs> if you see pictures of the Hollywood sign, my daughters, lots of. Uh, pictures of minnesota that's probably me so before we wrap this up now that we've told everybody because you you got some work to get to i know right we we need to get this over with so you can go get working (laughs) on that book and that podcast uh but before we wrap it up and we finish it off what what final thought do you want to leave everybody with i want to go back on saying it's not it's not about a should right it's like you should do this you should do that and i don't want to come off as it's it's this thing that you're supposed to do. But I absolutely guarantee people, if you just take some courageous steps, even small ones outside, simple, small steps, it's going to lead you in amazing directions without a doubt. That's, I think, what I want to say. Yeah, be your own Neil Armstrong. There you go. (laughs) Be your own Neil Armstrong. That's the name of a new podcast right there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, if anybody starts one called that, they owe us us some of that that big, big podcast money. Nice. So thanks, man. Thanks for coming to Griffith Park with me and hanging out here and recording this. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You go get to work. You got some work to do. I got to go right. And now it's that time of the show for you to head to our website, gogetoutside.com. Look for this episode 97 with Ranger Ted. And there you will find numerous photos of Ted in action, but also links to all of the things we talked about in today's show, including wonderoutside.org, where you should now be able to listen to the trailer for the upcoming Wonder Outside with Ranger Ted podcast coming later in April. And while you're there checking out that trailer, don't forget to sign up for a hike, send him a question, and most importantly, send him a message pestering him to finish his book. And while you're pestering Ranger Ted, you may as well pester us here at the show also. You can do that any number of ways. You can send us an email, go at butcherbirdstudios.com, or send us a text or leave us a voicemail at 818-925-0106. And if you would like to do me and the show a great big favor, then head to your podcast purveyor of choice, subscribe, rate, review, and share this show with someone who you think will enjoy it. 
This episode of the Go Get Outside podcast was produced, recorded, and edited by me, your host, Jason Milligan. Additional help came from Griffin Davis, and as always, it has been brought to you by Butcher Bird Studios. And once again, thanks to Alpen Ventures Unguided for sponsoring this episode and helping make it possible. And a reminder to all of you listening that with the code GOOUTSIDENOW, you can get 10% off of their summer 2020 Alps packages. Next time on the show, come back April 1st, April Fool's Day for a fun roundtable discussion with Lady Crush Crew. If you haven't come across them yet on social media or on the internet in general, they are a climbing community all about getting women in the outdoors together and climbing together. So come back April 1st for a super fun time with Lady Crush Crew. See you then. When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own. So this is why they call it Devil's River. Trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a, a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Celebration Key, your key to paradise. Unlock Carnival's all-new exclusive destination at Grand Bahama, where you can dive into clear lagoons, try all the water sports, or unwind on a mile-long, pristine beach with breathtaking sunset views. This vacation paradise has it all. Celebration Key, welcoming guests in summer 2025. Carnival, choose fun. Copyright 2024, Carnival Corporation, all rights reserved. Ships Registry, the Bahamas and Panama. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.